0: How's it going, everybody? This is Amy McCullough from The Athletic here with Mark Hoerig. Also from The Athletic, you are listening to Beyond the Scrum, a baseball podcast for The Athletic. And if you like what you're listening to, if you clicked on this link on purpose, please rate and review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts because we would really appreciate it. With that in mind, Mark, how's it going, man?
1: I was going to just... So, and as an addendum there, even if you got here by accident, for the love of God, please just hit like or something.
0: Like, oh, right. That's the people we're supposed to get. If you got here by accident, <laughs> if yeah. you clicked on this link and said, Jason Stark sounds different. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. Joe Posnanski sounds dumber for some reason. What is happening? <laughs>
0: this, this guy seems like he's been doing a bad impression of Joe Posnanski for 12 <laughs> years in his career.
1: This podcast is weird. Well, yeah, hit like anyway.
0: That's all I have to say. Yeah, please hit like. That's not Brandon McCarthy. All right. Uh, Mark, how are you, man?
1: Andy, I'm great. I'm great. I, I got two new hats for the wall this week. So that's nice. Uh, other than that, uh, oh, power's back that's a positive hours back hours back, back. Good. we had a tropical good. storm pass through here uh good to have power so yeah things are good how about you andy
0: oh hanging in there man hey uh we have matt gelb uh one of our phillies writers on the pod this week to talk about all the sort of uh, uncertainty and waiting and false positives that have been going on with the phillies in the wake of the marlins outbreak but before we get to gelb Mark, I have a simple question for mm-hmm. you. And I think you have uh, have the proper amount of brain damage to explain this. Uh, why are the Mets the way they are?
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, like,
0: why, where why, to begin, Andy? why did the Ioannis Cespedes situation play out the way it did?
1: Well, let's see if I can distill this. It is uh, a lot of temperamental people behaving badly. I guess that would be the way to do it. You got a ball player who uh, decided something, uh, which is very important, by the way. All right. Like you, you can question it all you'd like. But mm-hmm. he opted out of the season uh, out of concerns concerns for COVID-19. Now, mm-hmm. there are a lot of fans out there, and I get it, that will not give him the benefit of the doubt for that and basically say uh-huh. that he's using the uh, <clears throat> pandemic as cover to basically say, I don't feel like playing anymore. And you know what? That's well within your right to, to say I that. Mean, because yeah, if but you, also,
0: well, you know what? Who cares? Uh, you guys right, can right. retire at any time. Like, what? Well, who cares? Right.
1: Like, the, Yeah, so there's a lot of layers to it, all right? But the bottom right. line is uh, that's what it is. Uh, is he someone who has deserved the benefit of the doubt? Objectively, no. Okay? Like, if you look at at his track record over the years, uh, you know, mm-hmm. given all the mercurial behavior that we've seen, if you're not going to give him the benefit, benefit of the doubt, I think that is a reasonable stance. Now, do the New York uh. Mets get the benefit of the doubt? Clearly not, (laughs) because for the exact same reasons, objectively, they have never earned it, and in fact, have spent many years reminding you why they're probably never going to win it back. So why are the Mets the way they are? Replace the name Mets with any franchise in sports. Why are the Dodgers the way they are? Why are the Yankees the way they are? Uh, Mm. Why are the Oakland Raiders the way they are? It's the owners, all right? comes down to the owners. So what happened on Sunday was just classic Mets in the bullpen <laughs> era, which is it looks like they got mad, all right, mm-hmm. at a guy. Which and again, I even get that. I get it. Sure, all right? sure yeah, yeah, Like yeah. I have no like problem with them being pissed that this guy ghosted them. They should be. It was totally mm-hmm. unprofessional. Right. But right, only the yeah. Mets can take a scenario in which they're the good guys and screw yeah. it up
0: Just because yeah. all you
1: have to do in that scenario let, let's walk through it chronologically andy yeah you go to the park you're like oh shit the part-time left fielder isn't here <laughs> you know where he is well, i don't know where he is you hear anything i haven't heard anything this is weird first mm-hmm. pitch comes around still no part-time left fielder mm-hmm. or dh rather excuse right. me so Here's something that happens in baseball. People no show. Or sometimes they're late to the park and don't they don't tell anyone. What teams usually do is keep that under wraps until they can ascertain what is going on. Sure. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Because maybe there's like a and, and the Mets had this with Matt Harvey a couple years ago. Right. Okay?
0: They had this they had a they had this exact scenario pretty
1: much play out. Yeah. Pretty much. They did not announce during the game. That Matt Harvey was not in the ballpark. <laughs> the New York Mets announced during the game, in a statement signed issued by the general manager of the ball club in the first right. inning, that the part-time left fielder DH is not in the ballpark, and we have no idea where he is now. Yeah. After and part the of the game, problem
0: is like you read that statement and you're like, wait, is Cespedes is dead? Right. And like it, it comes across as a joke, but that was literally no. the question: like, where? It, like, is he alive? and if like you, does, does, like, it, like is he okay
1: right that it it, it was and, for, and there was no exp- there was no expression of concern in it there yeah. was no yeah. appeals for help like help us find it. like i called it an apb and it was wrong i actually was wrong It wasn't an apb it was just a statement of fact he's uh-huh. not here 30 mark send like that's literally what it was yeah so let me ask you When was the last time a major league team, let's even look at it from a competitive part, right? Right, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Why are you going to tell Brian Snitker that this bat in your lineup isn't in the, or or this uh, bat in your team isn't available to hit? Yeah, yeah. Why would you do that? All right, so here's the answer, okay? And, And this is where I'm asking readers and listeners to believe me only because I hope that I've earned some credibility through the years in covering this team back in the day. But this is the Mets going up the dunk on Ioannis Cespedes and then missing. Because what they could have done was wait till the end of the game. Managers like, just before I start, Ioannis Cespedes was not in the ballpark today. We didn't hear until later in the game from his agent that he's opting out the COVID. We had no idea it's coming. Questions? And that's it. Like, no, no but you know. What you I wonder
0: about is, like, why is it necessary? And look, like, I don't – I mean, I, I don't really think we should be, like – I mean, okay. Why is it necessary that someone has to, like, win the argument
1: here? Right. Well, that's the because, guy, yes. The guy Great opted question. out.
0: Yep. Like, the guy opted out. Like, he made his choice. Like, you can argue with how he handled it. And, like, I don't – I mean – we don't exactly know the specifics because there's been multiple, you know, sort of versions being put out there in terms of, you know, you got, you and Tim Britton reported that he had informed some teammates, you know, the night before. The Mets are saying, you know, they had no idea until, like, near the end of the game. And, like, you know, this idea, like, you know, Cespedes doesn't owe his employers anything. It's like, well, no, not, not exactly. That's you, not true. You, you, you kind of do owe your employer, at the very least, the courtesy of telling him you're quitting. Uh, not quitting. That's the wrong way of putting it. But the courtesy of telling him you're opting out be you know because of this and like there's perfectly reasonable reasons for cespedes to be opting out um you know as you i think it was his mother uh who is uh high risk so it's like okay yeah dude go home like that's totally fine it doesn't have to be a thing where any side wins or loses it can just be like a basic sort of It can just be a thing where everyone behaves reasonably. Right. Of course that did not happen.
1: No, because you got actors that historically haven't. And that that's what it is. Like the the Mets have a thing where it is odd. Like it it is like there's a level of taking things personally over there in which these things happen because of it. Okay. So it's not and again. Like I saw this sentiment. What did you, an assasstist, do wrong? Well, from the perspective of opting out because of a concern over COVID nineteen, he did absolutely nothing wrong. Zero
0: wrong. Zero, zero wrong.
1: No, I mean, zero. and and if you're getting on someone for that, then you're an idiot. All right. right Simple right, as that. Right, like right, you're you're right. just stupid. Now, if you're just like that, is the most unprofessional behavior I've ever heard of to just not show up to work and then have some intermediary tell your employer why hours later, then you are one hundred percent. In the right to crush him for it, because it is unprofessional. I I don't think there's any debating that. Um, Why does this turn into then? Who do you have to blame? Right, which is the the like the best part of that question. And I think, and maybe this is like way overthinking it, but I don't think it is. I I think it like really illustrated the polarization that we've seen in the country uh-huh. because uh-huh. it's like everything that's put out there now becomes a proxy for that war. Sure. Okay. Like you can't even it's like, Hey man, I like cheeseburgers. Oh, you stupid lib <laughs> like, No, it'd be what? way around. or it'd be... whatever. Right. Like, uh-huh. I mean, it's just, and I don't get yeah. it. Like, like how does a cheeseburger become a political thing? And that's what this is because like, right. I, I think boy, and, and maybe this is like really dark and cynical, So this is like a fun role reversal on this podcast. But, I I mean, (laughs) it's like people get horny for the uh, millionaire athlete who doesn't look like them misbehaving. They cannot wait to savage that guy. Cannot wait. <clears throat> okay it was like this it, and, and that's what i could feel that like just this like really sick undertone to all this criticism there is that they couldn't wait to hammer him for for bad behavior which is fair i sure. get it but like there was like this extra level of like vitriol and then the defenders all right, right. digging in like to, to argue that he did nothing wrong is just <laughs> flat out bullshit like you yeah. two are full of shit Okay. Yeah. And Well, I it's think- not
0: it's not even that so much. Like I, I send this to you via text, but like we're just so beaten down as a society, I think, and like so sort of despondent about the lack of control we have in our lives and the inability to like um, you know, put our put our hands on the levers of power in any way that that will celebrate any sort of act of rebellion, even if it's a, you know, very wealthy man choosing not to go to work in a manner that is um, you know, less than professional. Like everyone as our you know, everyone wants to do what Joe Kelly did and just stick out your tongue at your haters. Pretty essentially. much. Essentially. Pretty you much. Know, everyone wants to just be able to feel that level of freedom because people are just so beaten down that they're looking to just latch on to any sort of symbol of defiance even if it's you know like sort of misguided and again this is to say like this is not it's a perfectly reasonable decision to opt out I'm surprised more players haven't um but I you know I don't know to to say this idea like the guy doesn't owe his employer a heads up but
1: you know that's ridiculous no 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 there's no there's no hedging on that that, that's, yeah, that's it's fucking not, ridiculous. Like I, I mean enough. It works. I mean Yeah, no, not once you're an I adult know. and like you've I mean, actually maybe, had a me- job. Like, like, like what are you I mean, doing?
0: Maybe maybe I mean maybe that's like too like uh you know, I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm going to get like uh you know, crushed by all my like Super lefty friends. Oh, God. For, for like being pro the man. But I I don't know. I I just, I I think it's just like a base level of professionalism that seems reasonable. Just
1: decency and maturity for God's sake. Like, (laughs) if you didn't call in for that first job as a ticket taker at the movie theater, they would have fired your ass. And they should have. Okay. Like, that, what are we doing? Like, what, that, that, that (laughs) that cannot be something you can defend. Freaking not showing up to work when you're supposed to and not even like, in fact, I think Harvey even texted someone in the organization. Uh huh. Okay? Like, I, I don't, I, I'm trying to remember the details. Like, I think the message got garbled or just didn't make it to where it needed to make it. But, oh, I got, he didn't text the right guy. Like, the Mets had a protocol in place where, like, uh-huh. if you're going to be a no show, you're, you're texting TC or the trainer. Uh huh. He texted neither. He did text somebody, uh, but not, he text didn't. Someone. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, like, to give Matt Harvey some credit there, like, it wasn't totally like this. I mean, it sounds like Yohannes know, Sesame has just ghosted them, period. Like, just they didn't respond at all. Okay? Like, they show up at the hotel room, I mean, and it's packed up, and it's like the tumbleweed. Again, weed, like, you know? like, we're uh,
0: so beaten down that there is something – we all wish we could do that in some way. Now that Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know. I mean, we all just – you all just wish you could just do that to – and I like my bosses. Like, <laughs> like, like I like my job and I like the people I work with, but like uh, there is that sort of feeling of liberation that people just people just yearn for, I guess. I don't know. I'm starting to come around on this.
1: He's just ghost Emma Span for a week and see what happens. <laughs>
0: I mean, just messages saying, hey, is everything okay? Your ass would you know, be grass, like, as very, they say. Yeah, very, very reasonable, wise messages. I That's guess. true.
1: Yeah, probably yeah. without even an emoji. She's not a big emoji Rats. person at all, um, <laughs> which makes makes Emma an outlier these days. But yeah, like to answer your question, why are the Mets the Mets? Because they've been owned by the same people for how long now and have acted the exact same way and this is stuff i've said before and by the way this isn't even like this is my favorite thing you've got an axe to grind i don't give a shit okay like i don't (laughs) care if the fucking mets are good or bad or whatever i really don't i don't have to have an axe to grind implies that i care one way or the other the outcome and i do not right okay what i care about however is reporting reality all right, and yeah. so like here's another this is a goodie and, and this one I did not understand and, and I want to be uh, this is in the New York Post and they have a story in there that says that that S- Cespedes had been grumbling about playing time because a lot of his pay this year is tied up to plate appearance incentives okay mm-hmm. perfectly reasonable I don't doubt the reporting at all like you know part of it was that he had uh, confronted coaches or staff a couple of times leading up to this uh-huh. I, and you know I think it was Sherman and David off those guys know what they're doing I, I don't yeah, dispute yeah. it at all. Okay, Mm -hmm. but when you do the math and you realize the difference in the incentives, okay, the way it was structured, the difference is like $760,000, okay? And if he continues to play, by the way, he's on pace to hit all but the top two spots on the incentive chart, okay? Mm -hmm. And then he's got a guarantee on top of that. So it was something like being in line for $10 million, are you walking away? from 10 million dollars because you're pissed off at not getting 760,000? Maybe, I guess, but like, it's certainly enough for me to be like, I don't know about that narrative, okay? Like, yeah. the, the numbers, the figures do not add up. So, but again, like, the it's, this has just been so typical here. Like, they can't just let things go. Like, it was a marriage where there were a lot of highs and a lot of lows. It was bound right. to end, it ended poorly, let it go, but no. The Mets had to dunk on the guy first and then they missed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty uh it's happened before with the organization.
1: I I, uh, I it, say that a lot, it is, it is but like before. that is not even an exaggeration. And like you cover the Mets. Okay. Yeah. You got your, your your slice of brain damage from having been around it for like <laughs> anybody in the business that has covered the Mets, like I swear, every time there's another one of these flare ups, it's like the wave of text and we're all just reliving trauma again. <laughs> My,
0: yeah, as I've said, you know, before my first year on the beat was 2010 and I just thought all teams were that dysfunctional. Like, I mean, there was, there was like four things that happened that season that like I, nothing in my career was ever remotely similar in terms of, you know, like, like K-Rod getting arrested at the ballpark for fighting his, oh, you know, man. common law, uh, wife's father. In the hallway. Uh, in the hallway, yeah. you know, uh, there was the Walter Reed thing, oh. uh, that you know was like just like that. Being in the middle of that just felt so gross. Like having to go and ask like Luis Castillo, why didn't you go to like Walter Reed Military Hospital? And just like, what are we like, what are we doing here? You know? and, like that. Happens. So yeah, it it yeah. I mean, I've been out of it for a long time. So, like, the brain damage has been just replaced by, you know, writing about how everything the Dodgers do is great. Uh, but
1: uh, yeah, Dude, somebody, somebody tweeted at me on Sunday something I wrote about a game in which Hansel Robles, still pitching for the Mets, throws a pitch, grabs his groin, and then explains later on how his nuts got twisted up because of the way he extended through the pitch like, in this, like, lo- there was something crazy like that, and it's, like, yeah. I had no recollection of it whatsoever, none, <laughs> none, and, like, when I say it out loud, yeah, that sounds awful and gross, but, like, when you compare it on the Mets scale, it doesn't even register.
0: Yeah, it's not even, it's, like, it's, yeah, I mean, I was talking to a friend who's been covering the team for a long time, and I asked him where the Cespedes day, you know, fit in, like, the top however you know top five he's like i don't think it cracks the top five you know i mean there's just so many just bizarre things that happen uh being around that team you know, and, and i guess like and what's the constant
1: you right. know it's the owners. what's the constant it's the owners you know? okay and like that's it's that's always been the case all right that has always been the case and i don't think i'm speaking out of turn like i've written this like i've said it others have written it others have said it uh there are receipts Plenty of them, okay. Yeah. Like you, it's the behavior is well documented at this point. Like I, so, now before we get to Matt, all right? Because I'm really curious. Because you say, what is even the top five in like your era of paying attention to this circus? That is I mean, you'd have
0: to you'd have to have a more seasoned observer. Uh, so, but yeah, the, I
1: know, right? And I mean, this is not a definitive list. I'm just curious, what even like in your own mind rises to the surface of 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 the top 5. I'm curious.
0: I don't know. I mean, I just I think so much about that 2010 season, like I think about like uh I think about Johan Santana injuring his shoulder, the team saying it was a pectoral injury, uh Jerry Manuel being asked about it after the game and grabbing his bicep. Uh, and then said, being told Jerry you're holding your bicep and Jerry saying I'm not a doctor uh, and then <laughs> going up to pitching coach Dan Worthen and saying like hey what's the deal with this injury and him saying uh, he complained of shoulder discomfort
2: Oh my God.
0: you know just like things like that um, I think about Jose Reyes injuring his oblique and rather than being put on the disabled list being asked to stop switch hitting Uh, So it wouldn't affect his swing. I think about Luis Castillo uh, having a chronic foot problem and uh, being – and he was still in the lineup every day. And Jerry Manuel was asked about, like, Castillo's feet. And he said that it only really affected him uh, when he walked, when he ran. It was actually not a problem. And going up to Louie and saying that to him and Louie just being like, no, man, it hurts when I run. Oh, <laughs> so just like, I mean, just, you know, dozens of things like that. And I wasn't even there for like the Kevin plowecki you know, Dildo gate. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I barely covered Matt Harvey, you know, I, I, that was fun. Cover- Syndergaard or Degrom or any of that, you know. I was I was off the beat after 2012, so like I, you know, I don't know what what cracks your top three.
1: So let's talk about. Well, let us let, let's skip back. See, I think whoever you talk to is underrating this incident because, and here's here's why, and I'm talking about the Suspendus incident because literally the next day, Brandon Nimmo, the nicest guy ever, the guy <laughs> who earnestly sprints the first base on walks, the guy who is constantly smiling. Even when he's leaning into fastballs to get on base, he's smiling as he does it. Goes on a Zoom call and goes, I don't know who to believe. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, there's two versions of this story,
0: and I don't yeah. know which one to believe. I'm not, I'm not sure which one to believe. Like yeah, the guy I'm is like an that.
1: active player in uniform on a Zoom call on the record. You know, yeah. It's not even like the one met said trick. It's like right. he's on a Zoom call saying, I don't know who to believe. And like one of the parties <laughs> is the people that pay him. Like so, I mean, I think to me that you have to give it consideration on the leaderboard somewhere, when you add on, <laughs> add yeah. on that element. But, you know, like the, you talk about we were talking about Harvey earlier and the no show, right? Like so, I, I'm trying to remember now. The no show, was technically, uh, a Saturday. Okay, so Friday is Cinco de Mayo. Oh boy. Saturday during the game, players were in stretch. Going, hey, where's Harv? And one of the guys goes, well, it was Cinco de Mayo last night. So they oh, yeah. wait, they wait, they wait. No show. Okay. Sunday morning. All right. So wait, let me let me rewind the tape. Friday is when the infamous Dildo Gate incident in which. Uh, was it really? Yeah. So it was Friday it was the night. Same weekend? Yeah. So Friday night. I'll tell you why. So Friday. <laughs> God, team. I hope I'm right cuz my this is my, I'm going to go on memory and if I'm wrong then call me out on it later like but on Twitter or whatever but so but this is great. So Friday night, if you don't know this story, there's a post-game interview Kevin Płowacki, ex-met catcher, now plays for the Red Sox, is at his locker. The same kind of interview that you used to see all the time before the pandemic. Uh somebody having a little bit of fun <laughs> puts in his personal belongings Cubby, this big giant you know thing right like sex, uh, toy. sex toy uh so it's on camera and now it's a thing right it's all over twitter
0: well it was tweeted out by the mess that's a right picture of him wearing yes. a crown yes he was wearing the right. like post-game crown yes the player the of the sex game toy but, is right. behind him yeah so I don't it wasn't there for like the post game interview I don't think I think it was just in the photo yeah
1: right that's what it was like it wasn't a post game that's exactly right it was that they used to do the belt the crown the cape
0: yeah whichever and there one it was, and there yeah. it, was, it
1: was all three and then there was then oh, there right. it was okay so now it becomes of course a thing Saturday goes on and that's Harvey's no show day they didn't say anything nobody noticed okay mm-hmm. like I saw a lot a lot of some Twitter Sunday oh they had to say something no one would people would have noticed that no, they wouldn't have especially now there's one reporter in the house. All right. The, the, yeah. the dugouts are spread out and, and yo wasn't even in the lineup that day. So like he could, you know what I'm saying? Like he could have been anywhere in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. They could have explained it away. Like no one would have even noticed. Right In the same mm-hmm. way that no one noticed that Matt Harvey wasn't there on Saturday night, except for the players. Of course. Now Sunday comes around, Harvey shows up for his start. He knows he's in deep shit greeting him. I think were TC Sandy and Jeff. And it's like someone told me it was as if he was walking into the principal's office knowing what was coming, right? Like so, but no one knows this, right? So now it's Sunday morning, I'm off. Uh, I get uh, a message, uh, an alert. The Mets have suspended Matt Harvey for conduct detrimental to the team. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, let's remember Friday's context. People were like, "Who did this? Who was behind this? This is terrible!" Blah blah blah. So my first question to someone in the organization that morning was, uh, "Hey, again, not knowing that Harvey hadn't been there Saturday, I was off that day. But in fairness, even if I were on the game, I wouldn't have noticed that. I'll be—I be, yeah, would yeah. not have noticed a right. starting pitcher not scheduled to be to throw that day, not at the game. I wouldn't have noticed it. But anyway." I text someone in the organization. I'm like, Hey, um, is that suspension dildo related? (laughs) And he's like, no, it was something else. So I tweet (laughs) and like it, it like blew up a little bit. I tweet all those years of journalism school. So I can tweet this Matt Harvey did not get suspended for the sex toy fiasco on Friday night. Well, then of course it turns out (laughs) later on, we know why, right? There's a no show, but I'm gonna go ahead and put that weekend on the leaderboard because that was That's peak pretty men's. good. Yeah, like That's this, the, good. if you, the interlocking storylines and yeah and like the hardy. Well, this
0: is this is what I mean when I say that you have the proper brain damage to answer oh, this question.
1: Oh yeah, I got the cat scans to prove it too.
0: <laughs> well, let's uh, let's get to our interview with Matt Gelb. Uh, we're gonna talk about the Phillies for a little while.
1: So we're joined by our special guest, uh, our Phillies beat writer, Matt Gelb. What's up, Matt, how you doing?
2: Well, Mark, it's kind of great that I'm gonna be able to sit and watch the Phillies play an actual game, two games, actually, later today, uh, in the ballpark. Like, it's been 10 days since I actually saw them in person. It's kind of weird, this doesn't feel
1: right. Well, they've been in the news lately. What of these—that's <laughs> just, that's just high quality. You know, what's this interim? Right just, just <laughs> like, could you just, for somebody who isn't around them or doesn't know them as well as you do, obviously, could you just set the, the tone, the mood, uh, over the last nine days or so? Especially because you know this is a club that dealt with an out with an outbreak in spring training, so this is not their <clears throat> first you know up close encounter with this awful thing that the world is dealing with so what has it been like uh if you can encapsulate the last nine ten days there's been confusion
2: there's been frustration there's been some very anxious moments uh and really just a lot of uncertainty and and i i think you know there's uncertainty across the entire league but i I, you know (laughs) no one has had a week like the phillies have had i mean the marlins didn't play for as long as the Phillies did, but they, they had an actual outbreak. Whereas the Phillies didn't, the Phillies did not have, it was, as it turns out, any positive tests resulting from their interactions with the Marlins two weekends ago. And at first, you know, there was some guys who were like, well, I want to make sure we get tested twice before we get back on the field. And that turned into uh, more than a week long break from baseball. And, it wasn't just that they weren't playing games. They weren't allowed to work out together. And there were some guys who, you know, kind of worked around that and and went to a a park and maybe played a catch with a teammate, which technically was not allowed, but they decided that they had to do it. So I don't think everyone was just kind of looking the other way on that, but uh, very strange. I mean, just an incredibly strange week for them. They've played four games. They're playing a doubleheader against the Yankees later Wednesday and, uh, it's just I don't even know how you can judge this team right now because they have barely played and they're at a disadvantage here. Is the
0: is the disadvantage? I mean, just the like inability to practice baseball on a on a daily basis, or is there even like a, another layer to it of just kind of the upheaval that they've been dealing with?
2: Well, I think part of the disadvantage is you know none of their starters are stretched out again. Mm. Now. I mean, they have to basically go through you know, the last week of training camp, essentially, again. And and Jake Arrieta made his first start of the season Monday night against the Yankees and ended up going 78 pitches, which was more than I thought he would go. But, you know, they probably would have liked him to go longer in a normal situation. Then they take him out. And in the sixth inning, they bring in one of their many mediocre middle relievers, and he gives up a three-run homer. And that ends up being the difference in the game. So if Arietta was able to be more stretched out, you know, maybe that game is different. Uh, you know, they're having and Wheeler probably go shorter than they did before. They haven't had a starter get to 90 pitches yet in the first four games. And I don't think they're going to have a starter get to 90 pitches uh, until sometime next week. And that is just a, a commit to me, a competitive disadvantage specifically for this team, because the bullpen is a massive weakness and the bullpen is a little more exposed right now. I guess these seven-inning doubleheaders sort of uh, alleviate some of that pressure. But uh, I think competitively, uh, it, it goes beyond just not being able to practice and getting those reps. I mean, there's actual you know strategy that is affected right. here by not playing for a week. Right.
1: You know, you you alluded to this already, Matt. Um, the pitchers haven't been stretched out. Now they're being asked to ramp back up after a long layoff. And I think I'd seen some comments, I think, from Megan's story. But, you know, what is the sense of concern from the franchise, from people on the team about injury? Because we've seen it around the league. There's so many more pitching injuries. And from the outside, when you look at this situation, it looks like it's the recipe for more trouble on that front. What's your read been on that?
2: It's a it's a major concern for them. It really is. I mean, there's no way around it. I mean, look, teams that had a normal Uh, summer camp or whatever you want to call it and a normal ramp up are dealing with their own injury problems and now the Phillies are dealing with something that is essentially unprecedented I mean we don't see teams take a week off during the season and not just not play but not even work out or get
1: well I've seen the Mets take a week off during the season I don't
2: (laughs) but but I think actually what 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 I'm talking to a talking to a couple of players they were like, you know, they, they were like, it's not just not being able to, to to practice or get the reps, it's also they weren't able to get the treatment that they normally get mm. from the athletic training staff, from the strength and conditioning staff, from the doctors, from the massage therapists, and people might laugh at that, but that's that's real stuff. I mean, that just doesn't help them recover after a game, but it also helps prevent injuries, that regular treatment that some of these guys get. They did not have access to that for about a week. And so there are real concerns here. I mean, I think you're going to see Joe Girardi manage a little differently. He's not going to use relievers on back-to-back days. He might rest his position players maybe more frequently here this week than he would normally. He's not going to stretch his starters out. They're definitely concerned about the injuries. And the rosters go down to 28. Uh, on Thursday, so like they're going to lose two guys, and it just—it's not a good—it's not a great situation, really. It's not. It is not a good I situation.
0: have two questions. Uh, does Joe Girardi still have a binder? Uh,
2: <laughs> I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. And Binder Joe hasn't Do made. Do you remember that but, when Joe? I mean, everybody, everybody, everybody Joe, has a,
0: Joe Girardi for like having a binder. Like that was that was awesome. Yeah. It was like. look, like, look everybody at this loser he's, he's this prepared oh. what's gonna happen in the game tonight god this guy
2: sucks <laughs> look at him everybody has yeah. a binder now so like joe was a <laughs> joe was a trendsetter really I mean,
1: dude that's just I such classic was, new york yeah. this guy sucks that he's was, prepared
0: that was, a, that was a very that was like i that was the sort of thing i miss about like like 2000s ball writing you know was just sort of like <laughs> like uh, brazen anti-intellectualism, but like done in a funny way, oh, you know. Like he'd be called like Joey Binders and stuff. Uh, oh yeah,
1: well, that that Mark, doesn't
2: Mark, happen Mark, anymore. Well, it's not uh, funny. Mark, maybe you can. I, I was so I, I spent the last few days in, in the Poconos and. The, whatever the cable service is up there, uh, they get – my parents have ESPN Classic, which I didn't even think that channel still existed. It does mm. still exist because uh, we don't get that here in Philly. But the uh, game four of the 1989 World Series was on last night. Mm. And I was flipping channels. It was late. And I just decided to watch a few innings. And they panned to the A's dugout. And I don't know who it was. It might have been Dave Duncan who was next to Tony Larusa, But there were a couple binders in the oh, dugout. Wow. Nineteen eighty nine. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's I mean
1: it. that was yeah Dude, true story, man. Like that that's hey, and before that they had hired a manager in Oakland before Larusa and before um before the guy it was the two guys before him. It was Steve Boros and his reputation was exactly that. Like he used to have like when it was still novel, a computer basically spit out a bunch of stats or whatever and I think they called it Nerdball or something. <laughs> that didn't work out so hot at that point. Well, I
2: can assure you there are fewer binders in the Phillies dugout this season than there were the last two seasons. Well, that's nice.
1: Was that the first question, Andy? Do you have a follow-up to that? I kind of forgot
2: my, my question.
0: <laughs> uh, I just was, I was just cracking myself up thinking about the binder. Uh, yeah. what? I mean, I, I like, Gelb, can you kind of take us inside what the Phillies sort of internal reaction was on that Sunday against the Marlins as sort of, I think, you know, there was sort of like a growing sense of horror when it became clear that three Marlins had, you know, uh, tested positive and that the game was still going on. What, what was kind of the organization doing at that point while the game's unfolding? Like, was, were they as concerned, I think, as uh, you know, it seems like people on the internet were.
2: I think the answer is yes and no. I think mm-hmm. as I've written, there was a little bit of reservation before the game. The Phillies got the lineup and some information from the Marlins at about 1130 AM that day. It was a one o five PM game. And I think there were some people who uh, in the, in the Phillies dugout who were kind of wondering like, should we be playing this game? But then they're like, but then they're like, well, you know, the Marlins told us that they're following the protocols and the league tells <laughs> us that, this is okay, that they're following their protocols. And so, like, it's kind of like you just shrug your shoulders, like, I kind of feel weird about this, but, uh, you know, like the league, you know, everyone, we're going ahead with this. It's not like we just can say we don't want to play. Right. And I don't know that there were guys in the moment who would have been like, I'm not playing this game. Now, in mm-hmm. retrospect, I think they look at it and say, we probably should not have played that game. Mm-hmm. I also think it wouldn't have made a difference. I, I actually really do think that because. Mm-hmm there were exposure, you know, now that we've seen uh, who the Marlins have placed on, on the injured list, uh, you know, that the more than a dozen players they put on, a lot of those guys played Saturday night, that two Saturdays mm-hmm. ago against the Phillies, um, mm-hmm. specifically Garrett Cooper at first base. And, uh, you know, there, were, uh, there was exposure Saturday. And so even if you don't play Sunday uh, and then the news of the outbreak kind of comes out, I still think the Phillies would have been in some sort of period of suspended state uh, maybe it wouldn't have been as long as it ended up being, uh, but I think uh, I think they still would have been out of play for a little while. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, if, if this is what forces the league to be a little more proactive about these things, and it seems like they have been more proactive, specifically with the Cardinals and Tigers' situation and, and mm-hmm. Brewers, uh, then I guess good? I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to look at the good to come out of this because <laughs> – there's, you know, this is this is uh, this is yeah, it's kind, of a, a, kind of a bad situation,
1: yeah. Well, speaking of that, like I, I want to play this clip. It's Andrew McCutcheon was talking to Jason Stark, our colleague, uh, not too long ago, and some thoughts basically on some of the aftermath and how this all unfolded. We
0: did everything right and we paid for it, and so for me, that was upsetting. I'm sitting here at home watching. 28 to 27 26 other teams play and we're sitting at home all negative by the way and we have to watch this happen while we did nothing wrong so for me that was very upsetting
1: sounds like he's got the ass but understandably so uh But like I, I don't know what's your reaction to that, Matt. Like I think you referenced some frustration earlier. Fair to say that that's that's a pretty accurate reflection right now, right?
2: It is, yeah. It definitely is. I mean, and I think uh, you know when they got the news of the of the two positive tests uh, middle of last week, uh, there was a lot of concern. I mean, there was because one of them was a coach who had had a lot of interaction with. Phillies players over that past weekend with the Marlins and then had interaction with the Marlins and then also had interaction with the players during the one workout they had last week during the week. Mm -hmm. So there was a, there were real anxious moments, but then they find out that these two positives are false positives after those two staffers tested negative uh, twice in a row after that. So that then leads to frustration because if those false positives wouldn't have come up, they would have played this past weekend against the Blue Jays. They they wouldn't have lost the entire week. They would have gotten three games against the Blue Jays, and the layoff wouldn't have been as long. But as in terms of frustration with the Marlins, I think it's real, you know. And I know the Marlins are trying to, to fight off the perception that they were uh, reckless, and maybe they weren't reckless like in the sense that everyone thinks they were. But mm-hmm. uh, if anything, this has proven two things to me one it's very hard to transmit this thing from team to team while on the field during a game right uh, because if we're looking at the scope of the marlins outbreak you know i mean it, it was extensive up and down the roster pitchers position players coaches etc
1: <clears throat>
2: so that is encouraging i mean that, that it didn't spread and that doesn't mean that that's you know 100 percent the case going forward but it does give the league i think a little bit of data here or a little bit of an example to say that, that, you know, the on-field risk isn't that significant if you're doing things the right way. Uh, And, and and two, it showed the Phillies that they are doing everything right. They are. I mean, they haven't had a player test positive since they reported to summer camp. Now they had the outbreak before summer camp started and that was not good and that so, i think since caused they had them... the
0: outbreak that shut down the sport in june yeah, <laughs> they've been,
1: they've been other than that clear. they've been great yeah, yeah the play yeah. was great yeah. uh, right. but was great. so
2: they it did force them to really make adjustments to their behavior and they they have been really steadfast in following all that so i think those are the two biggest takeaways and, and look like they haven't had to travel very much, so I mm-hmm. think that'll be the next challenge. Really, they've only done one game on the road, and they even stay overnight because it was a one-game series against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. So, right. uh, I think as we've seen, the travel part is where this really causes issues for teams. Yeah,
0: I mean that's kind of where the the rubber meets the road, as it were, because there's just you know there are so many different points of contact on the road as compared to at home, where guys are you know theoretically. Behaving. I mean, I I do think, you know, the point you made about how like cross team transmission seems unlikely, at least based on this like sample size of one so far, and I guess the sample size of, you know, whoever played the Cardinals the last time. Um, So that is somewhat encouraging, but I think the fact that, you know, there's we've had two weeks of baseball and two teams have been completely shut down because of outbreaks. Uh, leads me to believe that the lag in testing, uh, me, you know, is going to basically mean that even if the protocols are followed with a hundred percent compliance, there's still you know a chance it can get in there just because of the lag. And there's no one thinks there's going to be a hundred percent compliance. Um, yeah. So yeah, and,
2: and 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 even if it can't be you know, transmitted easily from team to team during a game. If one team is taken out of play, that affects another team, for whoever sure. that team is supposed to play. So, I mean, there is a chain reaction here, and we're seeing that with these other teams that are forced to sit out like the Phillies. So, you know, even if it isn't transmittable from team to team on the field, there is there, there are repercussions for, not, for having to take one team out of play. Like, you, right. you have to redo the entire schedule, as we've seen.
1: Well, in this case, it was four teams. I mean, Washington had a whole weekend off. Yeah. I mean, Toronto, who had actually been playing well, just got boat raced last night, and they'd had four days off. Like, I mean, they're, it they're already we've seen, and that was just one, right? And so, yeah, like, I, I guess I'm just curious, man, moving forward. How do you see this unfolding, man? Is it, do you see a season getting finished here? Or, or, I don't know, is it inevitable that these outbreaks overwhelm the game? What's your read on it?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I feel like if there's another outbreak, another team outbreak, I really feel like the league might be pushed to a brink just because of the sheer uh, logistics of trying to get all these games in. So for example, the Phillies today begin a stretch where they are supposed to play 56 games in 54 days. (laughs) I I, I don't think that's going to happen. Even if they do finish the season, uh, I, I don't think the Phillies are going to play 60 games this season. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that there are going to be some teams that play 56 or 55 or maybe even fewer than that and they're going to have to go on winning percentage and and you know quite honestly for the Phillies that makes things tougher because now every game matters even that much more because you mm-hmm. have to assume that you're not going to get 60 games in uh, you have to assume that it's going to be less than that and and, and at this point you know you're you're one in three and you're almost like Fighting for your life already. I mean, it seems really weird, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it seems like there's going to be probably a 500 team that gets into the playoffs, right? If this thing actually
1: does get completed, no doubt about it. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, dude, I I wonder if they even get like. I wonder if the play is to just cut the damn thing down to 48 right now. Yeah, just because like everything's so screwed up, you take games off that are on the schedule for other teams, and then maybe use that gap at the end of the regular season to to basically set up a bubble for the playoffs something like that like, like i has yeah. been chatted about yeah. i think evan derelic had a, had a column addressing the idea of neutral sites just because of the logistics and whatnot like maybe that's what this ends up being
0: did you did you see ken's tweet he said some provocative thoughts from evan
1: <laughs> i saw that <laughs> i love that oh like jesus way like, to oversell it kenny Whoa. what a um, teammate
0: yeah, I mean teammate. Don't we, like. I mean, just. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm. I've made this point before, but like the way that sort of just utterly bizarre things are being normalized right now, uh, at such a, like an astonishing rate. I mean, this idea that you know, like ten days ago, everyone was afraid the sport was going to shut down because the Marlins were having an outbreak and nineteen people have this you know infectious disease, and then a week later, the Cardinals have thirteen people, and it's like, well, you know, six are staffers. And it's just like, you know, I don't know. It's like, well, you know, you keep pushing through and, you know, as the commissioner said, there's a new stack called winning percentage that we can really use to our advantage. <laughs> People are talking about it more and more, um, you know, and then you just do a bubble in the postseason, like really simple. Just like do a bubble in the postseason that will definitely have testing and amenities and all that sort of stuff. Why is this so complicated?
2: Yeah, it's it's hard because I, I I'm obviously conflicted about this. Like, I'm trying to enjoy it. I'm trying to, you know, I know there's a lot of people who, who really want baseball right now who want to see sure. some baseball, and I, I think it's totally fair. And I think the thing that you know, Mark, you and I have talked about this. I mean, the, the actual product, the on-field oh, product, yeah. <laughs> is 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 a, is a little rough. I mean, and oh, I think God, that a has taken that has taken <laughs> some of the joy out of it. A little bit I I don't want to say because I can't speak for everyone I know there are people who are excited to watch it but Phillies fans for example are like I don't know I mean they've only played four games and I feel like that week away people are just kind of like checked out like the product the first weekend against the Marlins wasn't good and you can't judge it on three
1: games but across the league
2: we've seen brutal some bad
1: baseball some bad (laughs) like uh, you know what it's No, Matt, we have had a lot of conversations about this, right? Like, I I think what's been fatiguing has been the ups and downs because there are these fleeting moments where you're like, you know, you you, you squint, you kind of like look sideways and hey, it's baseball, it looks kind of normal. And then you snap out of it and you realize, hey, wait a minute, this baseball stinks. And and it's happening during this like awful time. And I think what's fatiguing to me is the back and forth you know, like there are there are moments where it's really nice and really comforting. It's all the things that are great about baseball. Like when you're watching, I'll give you an example. Right, the pitching matchup the other night with Degrom versus Soroka. All right, like that's as good as it gets. That's a great matchup and And what happens and then what happens right i mean Soroka's is getting helped off the field because he he ruptures his achilles and like you're you're seeing these injuries all over the place because the pitchers have had to ramp up like we talked about earlier and i think maybe that's part of why the quality of play is also down these guys just aren't ready you know it's almost as if they threw together a fake spring training in the midst of a pandemic and said go get him it's that'll look good. Yeah. And
2: we cool
0: that Shohei Otani, Justin Verlander and Mike Soroka are already like out for the year with, you know, serious injuries. I think it's cool and worth it. Oh, and and don't forget Eduardo Rodriguez who now has uh, a heart condition.
2: Oh, Yeah. Yeah, We love, we love this game because it's, it gives us routine. You know, we love the routine of it and, and people love the everyday aspect of it, but that it really is like day to day. I mean, during the last week, the Phillies were living on this, They weren't playing, but they were on this day-to-day, like, roller coaster. It's a bad euphemism, but it's the only one I have. I mean, they, you know, (laughs) they went from, like, being excited to go work out to having two positive tests, and now you're worried about what's going to happen next. Then the next day, there's no positive test. Then the day after that, oh, the original, they were false positive, so now we're good. Then there's a hurricane, and we lose again. I mean, like, there's this, like, up and down that there isn't that everyday, like, guarantee to it and that's because we are living in a pandemic and there is no more normal every day so I think that is what you're right Mark I mean that uncertainty the 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 ebbs and flows are not natural right now and that that is affecting more than just the players I think it affects fans too
1: it's funny. Like I, I texted a Phillies player. Uh, when was that, th- that game in New York? Monday, right? Yeah. They are off yesterday. Yeah. So I texted like Monday at and He was like, Hey, you're getting baseball. And he's like, uh, ah, check with me around game time. Like it's this idea of, again, like he, he can't even assume that a game on the schedule is going to go through, you know, barring weather. Like that's how day to day moment to moment it all feels, even for the dudes that are in uniform. It's just crazy.
2: So I'm just trying to enjoy it. I mean, I think, you can enjoy it while also recognizing that it's, it, it might be a bit haphazard. Uh, and I know there's a lot of people in the game that I talk to on a, on a routine basis, people in front offices, players, scouts, whatever, you name it, who aren't really enjoying it as much as they normally do. And they're trying to. They're trying to enjoy it. And they're also trying to understand the realities of this. And the reality is I don't know how we can even judge these players and judge these teams on this season. I, I don't think we can. Do you guys think so? No, no. I mean, I, you know, I,
0: it just doesn't seem like <clears throat> a worthwhile way to spend time. I mean, I think it was, you know, yeah, I mean, like it's it's just the the context for this season is so different than any season before it and hopefully any season after it that like it's very, you know, the it's very difficult to have like objective baseball opinions about you know what's going on it's just it's like a strange sideshow that's performed in you know 20 ballparks every night or
2: whatever it is 15
0: ballparks
2: yeah but teams yeah. are actually going to make decisions on on these games they will i mean they will make I mean, personnel decisions you know, this off-season. not the good
0: ones
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> like,
0: not not the teams who have a fucking clue but, yeah, you're right. But, like, those teams were going to botch their rosters anyway. Oh, my
1: God. Like, I
0: I mean. Like, I do feel, like, part of me, like, you know, like I've been reading some of the work that, you know, like Sahadev and Pat Mooney have been doing for us on the Cubs. And the, the stories are, like, so sad in a way, because it's, like, clear that the Cubs kind of have something going, right? And it's, like, the first time in a few years where, like, it's not just, like, a real negative energy over there, you know? And you see, like, all these good players. It's like, oh, yeah, they have, like, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, and Anthony Rizzo. and But every story is written as like, man, we just hope this, like, season doesn't <laughs> collapse because we really, you know, and, like, the Dodgers are very similar. Like, you know, the Dodgers have this incredible team. You know, it's Justin Turner's, you know, last year of his contract. You know, they've never won the World Series. And they haven't won the World Series in the last 30 years. And they just, like, so desperately want to get to October and play. And they know that it's completely out of their control. And it's just, like, it just adds a real melancholy tinge to, like, even the great teams, you know? The Rockies are 8-2. And And they're
1: pitching their butts off.
0: Yeah. How about that? The Rockies are back, man.
1: Dude, they're 8-2 and Aaron has got one homer. Like... (laughs) Pretty good, over baby, rocked, rocked, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, so back in like the normal season, right? Like, I feel like there are, from a writing perspective, periods where there's a lot of good stuff done. And then there are periods where you're just hanging on for dear life to find something because inherently that part of the season, right? There you go. But like, I think when we're usually 10 games into a season or whatever, I mean, this is not exactly like prime time to be talking about baseball things and and making something out of what you're seeing. And yet... We are twenty percent through the season. Yeah, I felt today. like an
2: idiot asking Joe Girardi. Is like their bullpen is bad, and like they probably have to make some changes to it. But it's been like four games, and you're feel like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Where you're like, Joe, like I you understand this to. might be yeah. like a little, a bit of an overreaction, but you know, are you going to make changes to your bullpen? And he's basically like, we got to see these guys for at least two or three outings. <laughs> And you <laughs> yeah. know, I mean, and, and in fairness, those guys didn't right. pitch for a week, so it's like, what?
1: Are we, yeah. I mean, what yeah. are we supposed to do it's with it? Like it's no like idea. covering football. I mean, we are seeing, yeah, that's exactly like we're seeing managers right now put closers wow. on the shelf, right? Craig Campbell has essentially been mothballed. At this point, uh, you know, yeah, like, Kirby what the is backs, on, the, what, the, on, the, backs, on the brink of it. What do like, the Dynamax I mean, do with
2: Madison Bumgarner? He's starting
1: 88. Uh, I mean, pay like, him what they him millions do of that? dollars
0: for the next five years, I think, is what the plan is. There. Oh man, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, yeah. I don't know, like, it, it, that's the sort of thing that was like, so with Bumgarner, right? Do you look at like, whoa, this guy is toast, or like, whoa, this guy is pitching in an exceedingly strange season without a real spring training? You probably just like write it off like at the same time Clayton Kershaw looked like nails the other night and he was like sitting 92 again
2: God, he yeah, was throwing it's like, ninety three, right? Like, yeah. Kershaw
0: looks good <laughs> you know but it's like um <laughs> you know okay like is this is this real is it because he's pitching his first game in August you know like what do you do with it I you know I don't know
2: yeah there's well, like, people who get paid a lot of money to make these decisions and I'm not really sure I, I don't I don't know I, I don't know what you can do I really
1: don't I was talking to uh, an, an AGM last week and he was saying like he's frustrated because he's like there's nobody in sports that is more tied to routines than starting pitchers in baseball and what you're going to see from them isn't going to be a reflection of skill necessarily right now it's going to be whether someone can handle the disruption to routine and which doesn't really tell you that much useful moving forward because this is such an aberration. Yeah, and, it also it also is about right.
2: yeah, and it's about the guys who were able to stay sharpest during the shutdown too, like right, guys who were right, had access to right. throwing to live hitters, and not everyone had that.
1: Right, right. So it's just man, it's it's really such a screwed up thing. But anyway, uh, Matt, thanks for coming aboard and helping us out with the Phillies situation. It's good to hear from you.
2: I can't wait to see this home and home doubleheader played in one ballpark with seven inning games. I, you know, like we were saying, we're normalizing a lot of things. This one is just more of like a, you know, a baseball traditionalist is normalizing this, and it's I don't know, doesn't it's not sitting well. But it's very strange. We
1: it's it's
2: what we have. It's what we have.
1: Well, look, next week we'll be here talking about when they start the ghost runner in the first inning. So that'll be, that'll be good. Later, guys. See you guys.
0: Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Uh, If you would like to subscribe to The Athletic, you can get a 40% discount if you go to theathletic.com slash beyond the scrum. It's a good site. You'll like it. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Thanks.